Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Power over this group to say, hey, they were here at nine this morning while we were still getting ready. While we were still getting out of bed, they were here working on this. So I thank y'all so much from the bottom of my heart to just be able to come and just to serve and bring your gifts here. And um, it's so funny how, you know, God is just going, taking us through our core values. And, um, and, and last week we talked about relationships. And we talk about relationships quite often in this church. But it, you know, last week in, in, our, in our message, we talked about why does God love the relationship so much? You know, he created us to be in relationship with him, right? Y'all believe that? Amen. Believe it because it's in the Bible, right? But he created us and he made us and he formed us in, in his image and he, and he created us because he wanted to have a relationship with us. And we saw through the scriptures that in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3, that there was a, a sin, that there was a rebellion, that there was a fracture in the relationship. And this fracture in this relationship ended up making so much pain, so much harm, so much hurt between man and, and, and man. That, that there was a fracture in the relationship between man and God, which ended up resulting in a fracture in the relationship between each other. Cain. Slave, Abel, wars being fought. Even to this day that humanity cannot get along with the fracture not being fixed through Jesus Christ. And we ended up going there that Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished. And we talked about when Jesus gave up his, his so when he gave up everything, he said, it is finished. That he had then made a way to humans, mankind with this fractured relationship could have a way to the Father. That means that you just can't say, hey, Jesus, I believe, and that is part of it, but you also got to learn to follow Jesus, that he, he made this road, he made this path, he made this bridge where there was a broken place, that he has made that so that you can now boldly approach the throne of grace of God because of Jesus Christ. And we said, wow, that is what starts the restoration of this fractured and broken relationship. It has been melted and brought together by the blood of Jesus to the Father, but there's a thing called sanctification where we learn and understand that it is a journey in how we relate to our Father and ultimately how we relate to one another. And that ended up in the book of Acts, where all of the saints were together with the right relationship because of Jesus Christ, that we now have a right relationship with the Father. And that resulted in us being a family, a family that hurt when we hurt. That, that, that would do weird things like come out at 8.30 in the morning and bring all his equipment out to chew up trees because we want to have a fire pit or, or to, to ride to, to Greenville to take a person who is hurting or to go and live in another country that, that's a third world country, maybe just to get fresh, clean water there. I don't know. It, it's just God created the family to love one another and to love his creation. And to hopefully let that be a drawing for people who still have that fracture for Jesus to come into their lives and that fracture to be mended. And that's what we're going to talk about today. 
we're going, to talk, we're going to talk about our core value being excellence. Excellence. That's, one of, that's the second of our core values. Why is it second? Because when God renews you, it isn't what our identity is no longer in our abilities, but it is who God is in us. That's why it's so important for us to understand this excellence, that you could hear excellence and you could think about, man, someone at the top of their game in the NFL or someone at the top of their game in, in the corporate world, and, and that is excellence. That's good things, but that is not godly excellence. Godly excellence is that, that your identity is in Christ and Christ alone. That God has created you, Christ has bought you and restored you with his blood, and now that your identity is in God. And that is a good thing. Before we get into it today and before we run through this, this is a short piece of scripture. This is going to be a short message, but it's got some, some really fun things to do. And I'm, I'm just praying right now, again, I said it last week, that you would lean in. Go back and listen to last week's message. Okay, um, just go in and, and find that message and listen to it because it, it talks about the relationship and then you will even understand this message more if you listen to the other one. Okay, so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we ask that you come. Spirit, fill this place, fill my heart, fill each and every man, woman, and child's heart in this place right now, Lord God. Oh, Father. Our chains are gone. By the blood of Jesus Christ, our chains are gone. And that we can live a life in relationship with you, Father. And out of that relationship, this excellence forms inside of us. Not because of anything we've done, but because of who you are. Father God, Lord, we just come and we lay at your feet right now, Lord. That we need you. We need you so much. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place today. Have your way in our hearts. Bind my tongue from anything that is not from you, Lord. But loosen it with boldness for what you want to say. Let the fire rain down today, Lord. We love you, Father. And we thank you for these things. In Christ's name we pray. Everybody say amen. 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 So, um... So through this restored relationship, we as believers, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we as believers begin to demonstrate the characteristics of God, which is excellence, right? Everybody say excellence. Y'all need to start saying this word a lot. Excellence, excellence, excellence. Excellence is the quality of excelling or being the very best at something. So it sounds a little worldly. To say that one of our core values is excellence. And it is worldly if we, again, do not define it the correct way. There are people getting big contracts because they are very excellent at what they do. I use sports a lot because that's probably what's in our face more than anything. But to be excellent at something makes you kind of elite in the world. To be excellent in the world would make you kind of an elite person. But the cool thing about it is if you come into the, to the body of Christ through the blood of Jesus and you become in this family, that you are automatically by default excellent because of who dwells inside of you. 
You can still be like, to the human eye, you can be the most messed up person in this room. But because of who is inside of you, Richard talked about it this week in one of our men's groups. Because of who is in you, you by default are excellent. And we have to believe that before we can start seeing that. If you go around reminding yourself of all the things the world says you are, or all the mistakes you've made, that's what you'll live up to be. But if you go around reminding yourself who bought you, who purchased you, and who has made residence inside of you, you will start understanding the excellence of God. Yes. So, in Genesis 1.27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Since we were made in God's image, all that we should aspire to show is his, in his qualities. Let's look at some of God's quality. God is love. So in excellence of following Jesus Christ and knowing that we are bought into God's family, if God is love, what should we show a lot of? Love. It's kind of easy to say, right? Easy to do and easy to think about. Well, sometimes not easy to do. God's promises are true. So should ours be. Our God is righteous, so guess what? We should pursue righteousness. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32, 4, it says, He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he? See, as followers of Jesus Christ, we learned last week that Jesus came and made a way to restore a fractured relationship between God and us. Um, and as we follow Jesus, we are transformed into Beacons of light that excel, excel to glorify God in how we speak and how we act. Basically, we come and we, and we, and we surrender and we ask Christ into our heart. And um, I'm just kind of get off script a little bit because I think this is a good time to do that. God has purchased you and brought you into his family but when God purchases you, sometimes he doesn't move you out of your current circumstances or your surroundings. So you are a new creation, and you're a, a, a tiny beacon of light amidst maybe a lot of the same stuff that you were living in or doing and around. You have people who are really quickly can speak into your life that you're not very good at things, that you can't do this, that you must be stupid. How could you fail that, that job too? Can't you get it right? Why can't you stop smoking? Can't you stop drinking? All the things that we can hear from this world. So what happens is that we have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, that this light has come inside of us, but now the enemy forces the darkness of this world will start attacking us and will try to remind us of what we are and who we are and everything that he has done and, and, and fractured in this relationship. And then we'll start thinking and, and believing that. A man told me one time, he said, you'll become the books that you read and the people that you hang out with. I think we need to say that again. You will be the books that you read and the people that you hang out with. Everything. 
If you're not happy with where you're at in your finances, pray and ask God to lead and direct you and go and hang and find, find people who God has taught how to handle finances. If you're not excited and happy about where you're at in your marriage, go find people who have submitted and surrendered to the Spirit of God that understand what it takes to have a 50-year marriage. Don't seek counsel from someone who's got a three-year marriage and they're beating each other over the head every Friday night. They will probably give you incorrect counsel. You will be the people that you hang out with and the books that you read. And I know where there's a collection of 66 of them called the Bible. And they will lead you and guide you and direct you and they will be a light to your feet. And they will bring you peace that, that would surpass any other man-written book on this world. It's amazing. The godly excellent, excellence will direct eyes back to God and draw people into a relationship with God. And he will restore them. Worldly excellence, on the other hand, will direct people's eyes to me. See, worldly excellence wants to glorify me. Godly excellence wants to direct eyes to the Father in the heavens. You get it? How our world has made us buy into this lie that, it, that we say the word I so much and me and what I must be doing and all of these things. Look, it is not about us. It is about him. Excellence comes through Jesus Christ. And it is the Father. All he called us to do is to go and do what he called us to do. And, and don't worry about the results. If you put every bit of your heart into it, if you put everything you got into it, if you've surrendered and you submitted and you've prayed and you've listened, and do not worry about the results. You start taking score, you will end up falling back into this worldly excellence. Well, I must not be good enough because nobody will listen to me. I must not be good enough because my child is not acting the way that I would love to see them act. I must not be good enough because my job laid me off and I've been working there. And I thought, these are the things that will draw our eyes off of the one who made us. Just remember, godly excellence brings your eyes back to God. So what are a few examples of the things that stop us from living a life of godly excellence? I will tell you that I'm reading a blog, and it's one that I follow, and, and um, I got a few of these, probably two-thirds of these from this. But one of the things that was said was that the thing that can hinder us is laziness. We can just tend to be lazy. Let's face it. We live in a world now where it's kind of something to brag on if you don't have to do anything. God created us to work. God created us to work. He, man, I was having a conversation with someone this week. I don't know who it was. But sometimes people are like, Paul, why don't you sit down and stop doing that and stop serving? You ain't going to never let anybody else grow in this church if you don't stop serving the food. I like it. I'm sorry. Maybe that church won't grow. Come stand beside me when I'm doing it. I'm getting my blessings when I'm putting spaghetti on your plate. 
I'm not doing it because I don't think anybody else in this church won't. That's my blessing, and I enjoy getting here at 3 o'clock and cooking food. And I'm sitting here singing to the Lord because it's my gift, and I love to give, and I love to serve. And I'm getting my blessings when I'm doing that. Please don't think that it's, now maybe the commodes. I didn't grew past that blessing. Hallelujah. We got a few saints stepping up in the church taking that one from me because I was like, all right, God, I'm, I don't feel like it. But laziness, we were created to work. Find what God called you and gifted you and designed you to do and do it with the best of your ability. Wake up early. Stay late. Work. Look, you have a Sabbath. Go take your Sabbath. But take them other six days and pour every bit of yourself into it. Join your family in with it. Dream with your wife and your children. Know that God created you for a purpose and it ain't nine to five. When you're working for the Lord, there ain't no such thing as a hard job. When you're working for the Lord and you love what you're doing, there ain't no, there ain't no, well, you don't get up and like, oh, I got to just defrost these windows. You know, you've been there. Hey, driving up at 2 a.m. up to Ryerson Meadows, up off of 16, up on the other side of Charlotte when the Dream Center was being formed. And I'd get up at 2 to go to work. And, I, and as God started transforming my heart into being a ministry leader full time, I found it was really hard for me to continue to go to the steel mill. I worked hard in both of them. But God showed me the purpose. Find your purpose. Find your purpose. The, the next one is apathy. And I'm just going to go ahead and let you know I had to look up the definition of apathy. But it's because it's a word we don't say much. But I wanted to say it correctly, so I looked it up. Apathy is which is the lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. Do you have a lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern about something that's in your life? Do you have a lack of enthusiasm about your wife or husband? Do you have a lack of enthusiasm about being able to, to read the scriptures to your children? Do you have a lack of enthusiasm or concern or interest in being able to love the people around you? Do they have a lack of enthusiasm or concern? concern or interest about being a part of your church family and then let next one is carelessness speaks for itself when you just don't care you just don't care I think everybody in this room has went through a season in their life as a young teenager when they just went through now my daddy had a way of fixing carelessness Y'all think my daddy whipped me. I ain't get but one whipping from my daddy all my life. But I'm going to tell you, we used to cut firewood on Saturdays and Sundays to heat the house all week long. And I showed this lack of caring about heating, cutting firewood and splitting it one day. And my dad put this 34-pound maul in my hand and said, you will split all this wood today. I'm so proud of you, son. You're doing it. I was 12. We didn't make one truckload. We didn't make two truckloads. We made three truckloads of firewood and take it out and stack it and cut the trees down and put it on the porch. Sometimes when we just don't care, we just need people around us to show us why we need to care. Carelessness is something that we've got to teach our young ones. It's very important to care about humanity, to care about a relationship with God, to care about family, to care about this nation that we live in, to care about your community, to care about your workplace. But we can default to carelessness because we can say, it's just not my job. People call me, it's like, hey, so-and-so called me, they need this. I said, they called you, not me. Think about it. 
How many times do we default sending it over to somebody else? If God put the person in your life, it's your deal. It's not mine. And the same thing here. I don't understand why they keep calling me. I think maybe God's got them calling you. You decide that and say yes or no. Carelessness. Pride, not willing to be taught, is another one. Oh, how prideful we men can be. We play racquetball a lot. And the worst thing we all know as men, don't we, Wayne? We'll all be in there, and we'll try to give each other instruction on a shot or why something ain't working out right. And we don't even get it all out of our mouth before we didn't turn our back on the person trying to help us. We don't want to be taught. We don't want to be taught. And it's the same in, in our discipleship relationship. We don't want to be taught. I'll figure it out. You need to mind your own business. Go sweep your own porch. Pride is a son of a gun. Pride will keep us broke. Pride will keep us guessing. Pride will keep us angry and mad at the church because we're going to blame it on the church, but we sure didn't want to take counsel from the church. One other huge hindrance is being enabled versus being empowered. How many times have we just went and done something for someone because it just took too much time to empower them to do it themselves? I'm huge at that. We look at a human being that God created and we think in our minds that they are not capable of working and feeding themselves so we will feed them for 20 years of their lives and talk about them when they come to get the food. <laughs> I'm preaching, ain't I? It's a picture of our world today, isn't it? Barbara and I were up in Maine. Barbara's like, why is this state so clean? That's, a, that's the most beautiful thing we saw about Maine, that you didn't see no trash anywhere. We would go up there, I think with the third time up there, we finally said, let's ask somebody. Why have we not seen any trash? A lady said, oh, that's easy. If you go get food stamps here, you got to pick up trash. Oh! I'm not talking about anybody that gets food stamps. It, they're there for when hard times hit. You deserve them if you're getting them right now. But, but the, the thing we have to be careful of is that we don't become that person trapped in that place so that somebody's giving us a kernel and we're going to stay where we're at because we're never going to understand the gift that God has given us. We haven't been empowered. We've been enabled. Please don't hear me say there's anything wrong with EBT cards. I've got things I've gotten help with. But know that there is a problem if a person doesn't want to ever let you know that God gifted you and equipped you and made you to do something special and that you're just as special and just as important as the person that's handing you the funds. You have a purpose. And we have to ask questions to do that. See, Jesus was the best ever at empowering his followers. He empowered them by asking questions. He didn't give them the answers. He didn't answer but about four or five questions in the scriptures. Everything that came to him, he would ask a question. He wanted to get us thinking. Because he knew that if we were thinking, then we would have self-discovery. And if we had self-discovery, then we would be able to be empowered. See, Jesus taught to put others first. Jesus taught to forgive, and he also taught to be patient, kind, gentle, slow to anger, to pray, to listen for the voice of the Lord, 
And Jesus also taught, lastly, to surrender our will. What does it say in Luke 9? If anybody wants to follow me needs to pick up their cross, or whoever should lose their life will gain it. It's basically saying that you have to die to yourself to live for the Lord. That every day we have to die to ourselves in order to live for the Lord. That's what Jesus taught. So I have a question here. Will you make a commitment to be discipled? See, here's how we begin to develop and demonstrate these qualities with excellence. It, it starts with making sure your relationship with God is being restored. Have you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? See, I understand what Savior means to, to, to save, right? But do you know what Lord means? Sometimes we need to understand that Lord means that he is over you. That you have committed to follow him, to surrender to him, to listen to him, to follow his dictates and his word. He is your Lord and Savior. Will you decide today? Will you decide today to follow Jesus with every bit of your heart? But Paul, that's going to be hard. I'm going to have to let go of some things. Yeah, I know. Matthew had to lock up the tax booth to go follow Jesus. Peter had to get out of the boat to go follow Jesus. In order for us to fully follow Jesus, we're going to have to let go of something. He didn't tell us to bring all this mess. He said, I'll, I'll take you and your, and your garbage. But I can't continue to live as, a, as this tax collector and continue to follow Jesus and think I'm going to do all of them fully. We have to make a decision. Will you today make a commitment to let Jesus be your Lord and your Savior? That he, you will follow him today. That you will leave here today and say, God, what do you want? I want you to learn more about me. I want you to experience more of me. A great starting place for that is a life group. You'll hear more about that in just a second. Will you give yourself to a cause and a faith family that is not focused on your desires, but God's desires for you? See, that's a big statement. Just quite honestly, many times in my past that I have sought out God because I had a desire that I won't feel. Has anybody else been there? But boy, how the light started coming on and the freedom started coming over me and the peace started dwelling in me when I found that my desires wasn't best for me. That if I would get to a place to seek after God's desire, then this peace came into my life that you can't explain. A calling to follow. Hmm. Will you make a commitment to be disciple? To be in a teaching relationship with another believer. That is my big ask today. See, God gave his best with Jesus Christ. It only makes sense that we would give God our best. 
In Colossians 3, 23 and 24 through 24, it says this. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Doesn't it seem to be a lot of weight off your shoulders? Don Perkins, when y'all wrestling through these songs this morning, you're just trying to get them down. Just having another person in your life to say, don't worry about what people think. When it goes from your eyes being here to your eyes being there, it changes everything. We've got to get out of this consumerism type Christianity. Lives are changed in living rooms, at coffee shops, on a riverbank, playing pickleball, walking and cutting grass, cutting down some lumber and stacking up stuff, getting a bruise on you, or going and getting your nails done and talking to your girlfriend. It's not going to be changed listening to me for 30 minutes, 52 years a week. If anything, I'm going to make you pray a lot more. Your lives are changed as you have a relationship with God and one another. And that is not me taking a shot at myself, Brother Tyler. Because Tyler like, Paul, I need you to stop talking bad about yourself. I said, I'll receive it. I'll receive it. I am six foot tall and look good. But I'm telling you right now that Jesus is Lord and I'm just a mouthpiece. Thank you for Tyler Neal to love me enough to speak into my life. <laughs> Today's a new day. Can we decide today? Love like never before. Forgive like never before. Surrender to the will of God. And ultimately make God's name as sweet as honey across this land. Oh, what happens if God's name is just sweet to the sound? And people start walking 20 miles just to hear it. Amen? Okay, so listen up. Life groups is the strategy we want to use in order to help the body grow. This body, this body grow in excellence. So we're asking our leaders, our life group leaders, to commit to discipling the men and the women of this church so that we can model godly excellence. Okay? Um. I want you to hear from somebody. This is a friend of mine. Barbara and I disciple her. And um, she's, she's dear to mine and Barbara's heart. Amy, come on up here and take a seat. She's nervous as can be. <laughs> we'll move this water over out of the way. You've done threw it on me. Let's grab you a mic so we can hear you. We ain't going to let you talk. We're going to say 30 seconds. Just kidding. Say Good something. Good morning, church family. Can y'all hear her? Good morning. Good morning. Here, you can have half of this. Put your thing down right there. I asked, you want to sit down? Okay. <laughs> Good. So, um, everybody, this is Amy Hyatt. Amy um, is the manager of a Hand Up Outreach Center. As you all know, a Hand Up is no longer associated with the Dream Center Church. Garrett took and is executive director of A Hand Up. God is going to do mighty things through that. And this church is going to be focused on discipling people, watching God restore hearts, 
and attacking pods of the places around this church and throughout this city, nation, and world. And we are going to disciple well. You know why? Because we serve a God of excellence. We're going to give you the opportunity to be discipled at a high level. Been a lot of work going into this, a lot of prayer going into this. This is the, the strategy that we want to use to grow this church body. So, Amy, I asked you if you'd come up and let me ask you two questions. So, um, Amy, and I'm going to let her talk. Well, she, she's got her notes, a, a book full. <laughs> we all know I'm shy. Amy, what are the benefits of a healthy life group? And before you say that, I want you all to understand what the leadership here is starting to define as a healthy life group. The number one indicator is that it has to be teaching the Word of God. If it's not opening up the Word of God, we feel like we need to back up and to, to help and encourage the other leaders to teach people how to study and listen from God through the Word of God. So that is one of the indicators of having a healthy life group. So um, what um, we started this about six, eight months ago. I started teaching you how to read a commentary, right? And what that meant and how it meant to dig into the Word and just just cry over it a little bit. So what are the benefits of a healthy life group to you? You know, you're asked that question, and it really touched me deeply, um, being connected and being recovered and restored on so many levels. Can't hear me? How about now? So being asked that question, it, it hits deep inside because um, you could go anywhere with that and answer that in a thousand different ways, but... Um, not just for me, but for us together as a unity in, within these church walls in a group to strengthen each other, to embrace each other, and to love one another. Um, it's stormy out there. So if to be in a, in a healthy life group that where we learn from one another, because the way I see things and the things I read, and then you come sit down next to me with me, and we do that together, we learn, we connect with one another. And, and that's so valuable to me. Um, I know it's embarrassing to admit it, but I didn't know. I, I'd heard of commentary, and I have many Bibles with the little bottoms, and I can't have C anymore. But did you know there's an app that you can use too? <laughs> mm -hmm. So with that being said, um, just learning from one another and strengthening and encouraging one another, Paul, mm -hmm. coming together to grow stronger. Amen. And she did good, see. And that you did good because I'll tell you, when we first started doing that and then we released you to start teaching on your Tuesday morning group, you do a group at 1030 on Tuesday mornings that I was leading and I just kind of stopped coming and just put it over on Amy. And, and Amy's just, man, she came in there the first time she was leading. I was listening. She had like, I mean, about 20 pages of notes, right? And it was good stuff. And, and we talked for two and a half hours. And I was like, Amy, I just got, I was drinking from a fire hydrant. It was wonderful stuff. But it was Amy saying, I'm just so excited about learning and growing from God, Paul. I can't stop writing. When, when that hits you, it gets you so excited that you can't stop putting stuff on paper. Proud of you. for, for And now she has, she says, okay, well, maybe everybody's excitement level is not going to be at mine. I'll back it up a little bit. And, and she's doing a great job with that. So this is one more question. Um, so you currently lead a group with um, numerous people, but mostly people that do not attend this church. Um, and some attend no church, and we're excited about those people. 
Um, and, and, and hear me say this, that the people that, that Amy's leading on Tuesday mornings, by no means do we feel like those people aren't valuable to us. We, we solely want to continue to love and encourage and disciple those people. It's just kind of a missional group. It's not a dream-centered church life group. Why is it not a dream-centered church life group? Because the people in that group aren't excited about doing life with people in this group. That's just that's all we're saying. So we know that that's a missional group, and we know it's important to teach those individuals, but it's also important to help those individuals get plugged into a church of their own. But the church is asking you to start an additional group that focuses on the people that attend this church. I came to Amy. I said, Amy, I need some help. I need some ladies who would just look at the ladies' faces in this church and get your heart broken for the ladies in this church as much as your heart is being broken for the ladies that come into a hand up. And she said, I hear you. I said, Amy, we're not being good stewards at a church if we're not discipling our church well. We're, we're, we're so focused on the communities because y'all heard me preach it. We're so focused on everything y'all heard me preach. Y'all have done it and praise God. But one of the things that God taught me on the sabbatical, he said, Paul, are you discipling your church? The one that I'm asking you to shepherd, are you watching over it? Are you helping those men and women grow deeper in Christ? And to be honest with you, I was so organization, church, things in our, in our house and going on that I said, God, no, I'm not doing a good job at that. I'm standing before you today and asking you to forgive me as your shepherd for not setting up parameters and challenging you to be disciple. If this is your church and you call it your church, I'm asking you to pray and consider getting in a relationship with discipleship through a life group today. So, Amy, um, why should we first focus on this faith family in your mind, though? Just 30 seconds. Um, as Paul just shared, um, that's what he just shared, that, you know, it hits you like a ton of bricks, that I'm out there, I'm volunteering, I'm serving all over the place. Not that it's not valuable, but I look out here and I love you guys. You are my church family. And I want to share, it's his words, not mine, um, from Scripture. But, um the value in this is you and me and, and the love that we have for each other is first and foremost to strengthen these walls so that as we go out to encourage others that it starts here with us and each other and um, it's weird that you were already there this morning Colossians three fifteen, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful 16 let the message about Christ and all richness fill your lives teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts as the body we should encourage and strengthen each other as we do life with one another so she just read scripture. She, ain't y'all proud of Amy? Amy like, I got something for you, Paul. Yeah, I'm so proud of you. Um, but did you hear what it said in, in the book of Colossians? Hey, if you're sitting here today and you're struggling with being in a life group under the Dream Center Church, it's, it's okay. Please, please don't leave here today frustrated. But let's start having commentary and praying back and forth and talking with each other on how to hopefully get you to the place where you find out that this is the place you want to do life at or let's find you a place to go do life at. 
It's too vital and too important. There's too much danger. There's too many pit, pits and holes and, and dangers for us to just be floating all around and not buying into a church family. And I know that, that as I've invested and Barbara's invested in you, Amy, over the past year, is that now that when Amy starts up her ladies' life group, um, there's going to be ladies in this church. She's going to say, I'm looking for the ladies of this church who want to come and grow in God's word together. As Tyler and Matthew have been meeting on Tuesday evenings already, they're going ahead. They're not even inviting men yet right now. They said, we want to get this process down. And when God tells us that we've got it where it needs to be, then we're going to be inviting men to come and be a part of this. Ken and Kathy Kiefer is already sitting in with Barbara and I's life group on Wednesdays, and, and they already have a plan to go out and start a life group. So it's already starting, and there's more men and women that are, that are in life groups that they're going to decide, say, hey, I want to be a life group that disciples people in this church. Don't ever stop loving on your neighbors. Don't ever stop loving the people who are unchurched. We're going to put those people in these life groups. But we've got to get to a place where we, we disciple the people that come to this church. Because that's excellence. We've got to get to a place where we know that our vision and the mission of this church is what we're called to. It's what we give our time to. It's what we give our money to. It's where we serve. If it went through your mind... Today that, man, they're singing from these tracks and they're just not being able to keep up with the tracks well. If that went through your mind, start praying for God to send people that can be a part of this team. How frustrating it is on a music worship team that they're not getting the people to come and fill up all the spots. Connie's in the back watching over a child right now. She did last week and she did the week before that. Amy was going to do that today, but I wanted Amy up here. I'm just asking that you be a part of something bigger than yourself. Let this be your church family. It's a good family. This is the best church I know of because it's the one God's got me in. I'm not trying to put other churches down. I'm not, I love all of God's family. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that somebody else's family is better than my family. This is my family that God's let me be a part of. Y'all have the right to come and to, to get on me and to love me and encourage me. You're a family. We're family here, okay? Learn that in the life groups. Amy, thank you for that. Thank you for coming. Y'all give Amy a praise. Yeah, thank you, Amy. You did a wonderful job. I was going to ask Amy to pray for us, but since we're going into communion, I just wanted to kind of explain it. So, um, As we go in and pray, before you take communion, God's word says that if you've got anything against your brother or your sister or any sin in your life that, that's stopping you from communing with God, it says to go and take, take care of that. That's what this stage is for. That's what your seat is for. Get on your knees. Come to me. Do not let another day pass where there's something in your life that is stopping you from having a deeper, richer relationship with God. That's all we got to do is just let go of it. Just start that process of walking past it. Pray and ask God to, to how many hundreds of people within rock throwing a quarter mile of here are not in a church family that need that hope of the love of Christ. And as you take communion, just say, God, what is it you want from me? Where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? And um, thank you, um, if Tyler and Richard, y'all can get ready. We're going to pray, and then we're going to get the worship team up here. Y'all come up, and 
want to make sure that our worship team has an opportunity to take communion too. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, Lord, we come to you now. And we ask, Lord God, that we would let you shine in and through us, Lord. We can't be excellent in our own, Lord. But, Lord, you are excellent. The Spirit, your Spirit, Holy Spirit, lives inside of us. Manifest outward. Manifest in a way that, that our tongues would display your excellence. That our eyes and our hands and our feet and even our thoughts... The, thing, the unspoken things that go through our head, Lord, that are not from you, Lord. Let them be filtered through the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, that, that we would be able to step on the ground and that you would be before us, Lord. And that, that a lost and broken world would see you, not us. And that relationships between you and humanity would be restored. And it would bring forth a relationship with the saints and one another. And God, out of that, we would grow and learn and live a life of excellence because you are excellent. We love you, Father, and we thank you, and we ask that you take this, this communion, this time, as where Jesus Christ said, hey, this, is my, this, this bread is my body that is broken, and this wine is my blood that is spilled out for you. May we take this in remembrance of Jesus, of what you did, and we ask that you would take and bless it and let us transform us and grow us into a deeper relationship with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.